Amen. Listen, I want to first just greet you and, uh, and, and let you hear from me. Um, happy Easter. And uh, what we've been doing this entire weekend from Good Friday to Easter is just unfolding this uh, parable of the prodigal son. And, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to communicate this because the overarching message of this parable is simply this. Two words, an invitation, unbelievably profound from the God of the universe is simply this. Come home. Come home. And what the parable of the prodigal son does, as you've seen already in part or maybe in your own study of it, is that it shines the light on, it shines a light, a bright light on the, the glory and the goodness of the risen Christ and the victory that we can have in the resurrection. Because of who Christ is and what he's done, uh, the invitation can go out to all people to come home. And so what we're going to attempt to do in this a time in this message is just shine a light on it a bit for you. And, and our heart and prayer is that this would impact you right where you're at. You know where you're at. Even more than that, God, through the work of his spirit, knows exactly where your heart's at at a variety of levels in all ways. And so um, before we begin, uh, let me just pray for us. God, I'm so thankful for... Um, for your word and the way that you use these parables to uh, teach us some very important lessons about the gospel. These parables were intended to be an illustration, an illustration of different aspects of your truth, and I pray today, God, that through the teaching of this parable to this group of people, now in the course of human history, that it would I believe and am asking would have a similar impact to what it had even when it was originally shared. So we just ask that you would do that through the work of your spirit and that God that you'd be glorified in it. We pray for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I'm so thankful that you chose to, to, to celebrate Easter at Christ Church. Um, Easter and Christmas Eve tend to be the, the two days when uh, so many people um, make the decision to attend church. Some of you uh, mustered up the courage to come to return to church simply following a tradition that you followed for years. If that's you this morning, I want you to know you're welcome and we're so glad you chose to celebrate here at Christ Church. Some of you came to reconnect with people and, um, and you're going to leave here today and you're going to go, Man, I really need to do that more often. If that's you today, I want to welcome you, not just to one day, but to many days, many weekends, celebrating with the same zeal and joy that we love to celebrate the gospel with here. But I want you to know this morning, you're welcome here. Others entered into this room, or maybe even as they pulled into the parking lot, sort of and then especially maybe as the, as the worship was sung and as the celebration was happening, if I was to sit with you, you would say, you know what, I, I felt a rush of guilt and shame because I know that my life is not being lived in light of these words that people are singing or this God that's being proclaimed. You're you know that your life has been compelled by the world and 
and your identity has been there and it's left you unsatisfied and even though you may feel that this morning, I just want you to know you're welcomed here and we're so glad you're here. For everyone here today, there are parts, like there are parts of my heart and life that have, have not yet come into the place that I want them to before the Lord, that there's still places that God is calling from a, a, a faraway country back home, and there's still places of obedience and affection and, and faithfulness to God that are, are still need to return, and, and, and for you, I would say, you're welcomed here. Here's the truth that we have to hear this morning to receive this parable. We are all prodigals. To some degree, at some level, we're all prodigals, maybe in smaller portions of our life or entire sections of our life that we have not yet brought to the reality and the victory of the resurrection, or maybe it's our entire hearts and souls that we know are turned away from God. All prodigals need to hear the message on Easter Sunday and week after week that the resurrected Christ is speaking through this parable because Christ calls all prodigals to come home. That's his message. And home is, is, not, is not just entering into a church building. That's not home. Home is not, is not like, like going through these like religious actions that we've been taught or believed that we have to do to be right with God. No, here's what home is. Home is being back in the presence of God, walking in close communion with him, delighting in his love and mercy and grace and goodness, and experiencing living in light of the victory of the resurrection. That's home. That's home. And so I want to walk through this parable and I want us to respond to this call to come home today and find the victory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not just something we proclaim, but something that I'm living in. So we just watched the, um, the parable of the prodigal son, this little um, cartoon of it, and uh, that comes from Luke chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at a few parts of that parable this morning, and some that weren't included in that video, so you can turn in your Bibles there to Luke 15, and um, on Good Friday, what we talked about is we unpacked that there's this younger son who goes into a far country, takes his father's inheritance, and just wastes it. Reckless living, completely going after his own desires, and he gets to this place where he's like looking at pig food, going, that sounds nice. And we talked on, on Good Friday about how that's where sin leads, right? Right? It leads us to places where we're like, how did I get here? How am I desiring that? Especially when you're in this place of being completely desperate and, and, and still hungering for more, knowing it won't satisfy. And then you consider that the Father has offered you the perfect abundant provision. And on Good Friday, we talked about that abundant provision was Jesus Christ sent into the world and his provision was shown for us in his death on the cross. And so then when we realize that, our only move when we're awakened to that again is to come and confess and be willing to receive whatever God would uh, uh, give to us, but we just want to come home. 
We just want to come home when we see it rightly. And so the call of this parable and this sermon is simply this, two words, come home. And there's uh, some lessons from this parable to help us come home. To, to help us be encouraged to come home. The first one, first lesson is this, a come home without delay. Come home without delay. What, what I, what, what's interesting about the parable is um, the, the prodigal son has clearly gotten to the, what we say a lot of times, he's gotten to the end of himself, right? He's just like, there's, I, I'm at the bottom. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have to get to the bottom in certain areas of our life before we finally realize, like, God's like, do I have your attention now? And you see his provision, but the prodigal son comes home without delay. And sometimes there's things that can cause a delay in our return home. And I want us to avoid them, so let me just share some of them. There's many reasons, but here's my top five reasons why we don't go home without delay. The first one is we go to the wrong home. Some of you are like, I got it. Coming home means that I come into a church and I just go to services and I participate in the activities of the church. That's not coming home. Some of us think that if I just do the right thing that that's coming home. It's not. It's coming back into communion with God. That can keep us from getting home. That can cause a delay. The other one is this, number two, uh, the journey is just too difficult. Some of you pause too long when you look at the fact that the gospel calls you to die to self and you're like too difficult or maybe it's the shame of sin that you see in front of you and you just aren't willing to face it that can delay your journey home Uh, a third the journey is just too long you're like in this instant gratification microwave culture you're like pfft if it's over like three minutes, I'm out. You know, like we do that. And, and what we do is we cheapen the reality of what God wants to bring through the gospel because when that gospel begins to work in your life and it begins to pervade over areas of your life, it requires time to bring restoration and goodness and wholeness. You can also be distracted by the world. That's number four. You're just on your way home, but everything about the world is still screaming so loudly to your life that you're just like, what? I'm going to chase after that. I'm going to chase after that. And before you know it, you're like, where was I going? And sometimes it's even good things of the world, but not the best thing, getting home. And then lastly, sometimes we just turn back to sin. It's like I'm going back to the instant gratification. I, I know it never fills, but at least it makes me feel good for a little bit. You start to feel so broken and it starts to become your identity that you just stay there. But God says and wants you to hear this morning, come home without delay. Return to the pure worship and communion with God and his people. And it's going to be difficult at times, and sometimes it's just a mess. But it's good, and it's the best thing. It's the best opportunity you have in this life. Endure, even in the, endure in the journey even when it's difficult. Take whatever time is needed. Ignore the distractions. Don't turn back. Don't stop. Come home without delay. That's the first thing I see in this, in this parable. The second one is this. Come home where you are eagerly greeted by the abundant love of God. Okay, so 
So you have to understand that when the prodigal son gets to this place where he's staring at the pig's food wanting to eat it, can we just all agree that's a pretty desperate place? And when he thinks about coming home, there's a disconnect because he looks at coming home and he's like, uh, I, I got to prepare to say something to my father when I get home. And he says in, in verse 18, he's like, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. See, what, what he knew was what sometimes we don't know or aren't aware of, that in these ancient communities, dishonoring your father was a punishable offense. There's places in the Old Testament that even allude to um, the rejection of the father and the parents uh, could lead to the punishment of stoning. Okay, so kind of a harsh punishment by today's standards, certainly. And so you've got to understand that when the prodigal son makes this decision to go home, it's not like, oh, it's going to be sweet. Mom's going to have a, some food for me and dad's going to be there ready to receive me. No. In these ancient communities, dishonoring your father could lead to serious punishment. And so instead, imagine the prodigal son on his way home, just feeling the weight of, like, like the weight of guilt and shame and thinking, like, he's going to be ashamed of me. He's going to be angry at me for what I did. We, we, we have to, to understand the gospel and our relationship with God, we have to see this clearly. Micah, come on up. For those of you that don't know, I have two sons and two daughters, and Micah is my younger son. And, um, and I, I want to make sure that you see clearly this morning. When the son started to come home, his head would have been down. The weight of his failure. He had taken everything his father had given him, and he had wasted it. And imagine the weight on his shoulders as he's approaching home. But the scriptures say in that parable, it says that the father saw him from a long way off. And you notice what it said? It says, and he felt compassion. Let me just unpack that word for you a bit. It means that he did not feel some sort of like, you got what you deserved. The, the, the father wasn't disappointed with him, wasn't like, not my son. The, the, the father wasn't like, yeah, that's your mother's son. He didn't try any of that. He didn't condemn him. He wasn't like, I'm going to make you pay for what you've done. I'm going to make you earn back favor. You've got to do something to deserve my love. No, the scriptures say that he started to run to him. He started to run to him. Why? Because God's love, it initiates, it moves, and it rushes. But, but listen, 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 church. This would have blown the hearers who would have heard this parable. It would have blown their minds. Here's why. Because the patriarch of a family didn't run. He sort of stood off in his robes, and he had a level of dignity and esteem. They didn't hike up their robe so they could run. But that's exactly what the father did. And he ran and he embraced his son. 
and he drew him close, and he kissed him, and he, uh, I know you love that, and, um, and, he, and he held him so close. Why? Just that embrace and the kiss was a symbol in this parable that the reconciliation had happened and forgiveness had been shown. And the sweetest part of this moment is is that the father didn't see his identity based on his sin. He saw him as a son. And he embraced him and he loved him and he shouted to all prodigals, this is the abundant love of your father to you. Thanks, Micah. And I want you to see today, each and every prodigal, sitting down each and and every one of these rows and seats, that God initiates, he moves, and he rushes to you. Don't believe anything else that you've been taught or learned, maybe from your earthly father or another person in authority, maybe even from someone who's mistakenly communicated to you something that is the opposite of the gospel truth. I believe this with all of my heart. The prodigal stays a prodigal only because they don't really know the heart of God. You can write this down. Come home where you are eagerly greeted by the abundant love of God. Third lesson. Come home to find your failures covered by favor It's one thing for the father to lock him in, in, in an embrace. But then what, what you have to see from this passage that, that's easily missed is, I, I read you the, the thing that, he, that, the, that the son was rehearsing, right? Because he's like, uh, not sure I'm going to be treated. So before the embrace, he's rehearsed what he's going to say. And there's that last part where it says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. So, so now look, look down at starting in verse 21 and look what actually happens. It says, now he's embraced, he's kissed him, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And then it stops. Do you, do you notice what's missing in what he said? What's missing is the part of treat me as one of your hired servants. <laughs> because... The father sees his son, and, and I'm certain that, that, that when he saw him, um, he would have been kind of a mess, right? Like, this, he, he was about to eat pig's food, and then he goes on a long journey home. So by the time he arrives home, he's certainly worn out. His clothes are probably hanging off of him. He probably smells terrible. He's probably disheveled and gaunt and skinny from the lack of food and nourishment. He's looking like a hot mess. And and the father doesn't just embrace him and kiss him. The prodigal son begins to, to, to share his sort of like, I apologize, I've sinned, I'm not deserving of being treated as one of your sons. And before he can say, treat me as one of your hired servants, he interrupts him. He interrupts him. 
because the Father knows his heart. He's already declared his forgiveness. He doesn't hesitate. Nothing else needs to be earned. It's already complete and total. Before the prodigal can ask to be treated like a servant, God showers him with favor. the, The unbelievable grace of God is on display here. He doesn't say, man, it looks like you got what you deserved. Have you learned your lesson or you're going to have to earn favor back from me? You know what? I don't really trust you. You're going to have to start as one of my hired servants and maybe you'll earn your status back. No. Look what the scriptures say. He interrupts him. He doesn't even let him say that. And he says, but the father said to his servants, the ones who he was about to identify with, and he goes, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him putting the robe on the son at that point would have been a symbol he has all of his status back as a son he is fully restored fully reconciled completely forgiven he's mine and i'm proud of him second he gave him a ring a ring designated the fact that he was like you are now back in relationship with me. You're back in communion with me. Like we are together. This ring designates that. And the sandals, now the sandals, I mean, clearly because the fact they gave him sandals means he was barefoot. If he was barefoot on a journey like that, like that would have been like junior high feet sort of like going on there. And, and when he gives him the sandals, Most commentators say that what he was pointing to there was that, remember he had wasted all the inheritance and the wealth of the father, that he was actually saying, through giving him sandals, he was saying, you're welcomed now back into all of my wealth and all of my blessing. I mean, I I just don't understand it, but I'm thankful for it. On Good Friday, we... We had a trough up front to symbolize how sin leads us to a place far from home. Sin leads us to a place where we start looking at food that pigs eat and think that we would like it. Um, But today, that trough is covered. It's covered by something that symbolizes the favor of God towards you in the gospel. That because of the grace of God and because of the blessings of salvation, um, the, the place where you once looked at your sin and identified with it can now, through the work of Jesus Christ, um, cover that sin. And it can be a place where, out of the blessings of salvation, now you can be with God, have communion with him. Come home to find your failures covered by favor. You don't earn your right to be forgiven. You don't, you don't uh, uh, achieve enough rightness to be declared righteous before God. Christ in his death on the cross has covered your failures with favor. He's placed over your life the identity that you're righteous before God so that then out of the joy of that, out of the grace of that towards you, you will come and sit with God in communion and eat with him and drink with him and let him speak his truth over your life and direct it. Man, the favor of restored relationship with God and and in that relationship with him, in communion with him, what he does is he, 
walks back through all of your failures and wants to speak restoration over you and wants to say, child, you don't have to go there anymore. I've got something better for you. And sitting with him and dining with him is the place where your dignity can be restored and your purpose given back and the flood of blessings. And if you think in processing through this that it's undeserved, it is. But that's grace. It's unmerited favor. But the message still screams out from this parable, come home to find your failures covered by favor. Then this next lesson, you gotta read with me, starting in verse 25 to get this one. This wasn't included in the video earlier, 25 through the end of of this uh, chapter. It says, now his older son, so he's got this older son, where has he been at? Well, he was in the field working, being faithful, obedient son. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he's like, man, I must have missed the invitation to the party. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So at this point, you've got to be like, man, brother's about to jump in, be a part of the party, dance, celebrate. Nope. 28. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. The older son seems to have grown a little bit entitled, and he's a little envious now. Verse 30, But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, he goes right, he goes right after it, you killed the fattened calf for him. You let him receive honor and a celebration. He's got to earn his right back. I've been so faithful. Why, he hasn't. And now you're going to welcome him back? And he said, the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. You've, you've had access. You've known the truth. And then he says, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And, and so what you, what, you have to, what you have to process through at this point is you have to go, what is being represented from the, this older son? And I think right into the religiosity so often found in our world and particularly sometimes in this area of our world, I believe that the older son represents the religious. The religious who seem to find a way to get in the way of the gospel of grace and distort it. They distort the grace and love and mercy of God. They seem to want judgment before favor. Have you met anyone like that? They, they, they sort of believe that you must earn your salvation and they've got the list of all the things that you need to check off before I'm going to fully welcome you. They think that relationship with Jesus is just doing what is right. And if you do what is right, you will find the approval that your heart longs for. The religious, honestly, they make it really hard for the prodigal to return. They would stand at the door and go, hey, are, are, are you up to the, the, the caliber of a person before you can come in the church and celebrate the resurrection of Jesus? 
They set unreasonable expectations before someone can come home. It is, and the, and the Father, the Father, the Father says into this that it's right to celebrate and be glad. When the prodigal comes home, the father sees that it is a resurrection moment, that it's the dead are coming alive, just like Jesus did. He was dead and now alive. He was lost and now found. And the lesson is here is so needed. It's this. Come home because the volume of God's grace is louder than the accusations of the religious. Amen? The gospel is different. It's not religion. It's not a list of rights and wrongs. The world will always try to uh, dilute it down or, 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 or make minimal what the gospel is. Many in church do the same. It's captivated before conversion. It's, I'm, I'm blown away by the identity of who God is. And even in this message, in this parable, his love and his grace captivated me and I was converted to Christ. It's, it's, it's communion before conviction. It's, it's celebration before change. That's the gospel. And let the, let the volume of God's grace speak louder than the accusations of the religious. It's conversion and conviction and change. All these great things that come out of the gospel. They come out of a restored relationship with the Father. They come by sitting here with God and drawing near to Him. Do you notice that there is... I, I just I just can't imagine. I, I want to finish the story and, and see what happened to the prodigal son after he returned. But here's the thing. The, the transformation, the change came after the embrace. It, it, it came as a response to the favor. It's captivated before conversion. It is communion before conviction and it's celebration before change. Come home because the volume of God's grace is louder than the accusations of the religious. Twice the father repeats it. Two times he says, my son was dead and is alive again. The same thing that we proclaim about Jesus on Easter Sunday is what Jesus wants to do in your life, not just on Easter Sunday, but every day. Bring, death out of, bring life out of death, bring life out of death. Church, this Easter, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, because of the message of the gospel that still extends to all the world, I am calling all prodigals, come home to live in the victory of Christ's resurrection. That's our last point from this parable. The power of the resurrection gives us hope that God can indeed, through the work of his spirit, through the work of the gospel, bring life literally out of death. I could spend the rest of the day just talking to you about the ways he's done that in my life and in so many that call Christ Church home. It's one of the most beautiful things to see week after week and then new layers of that begin to play out as we walk together and do life together. All because Christ already made the journey home to lead you home. He entered into a far country and he died for your sin, and he was dead and then made alive in the resurrection. We just need to come to our senses like the prodigal did. 
We need to see these places that we've wandered. And we need to come home. We need to come home to a place where God invites us in and he wants to sit with us. And, and through all that Christ is, he wants us to come and commune with him at his table. That's the level of access our God offers you. You're invited home to be with him, to eat and be filled, to drink and be satisfied. Listen, listen, this is great. You can take the cup of salvation because he already took the cup of judgment. And it's not just for future eternity. It's not just for some, some time after I die. It can be accessed right now and begin to change your life. Prodigals, come home. Some of you need to come to Christ for the very first time. Some of you have, 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 have walked all around the truth of the gospel, but the reality is, is that your life has never been converted. There's never been a move. And, and what I want you to see through the love and the grace of God is something that's more compelling than the pig food that you're pursuing. And in a moment, when you see that, you can make a move and you can repent and believe and follow Christ. Some of you, need to come home from wherever sin has sort of taken you and sort of drawn you away from communion with God. And you need to see that the love of the Father is unchanged towards you. His grace is still accessible. He's the one that taught us how many times we should forgive. Certainly, that's the truth of his heart towards you. So turn and come home and find the restoration and the reconciliation and the redemption in Christ alone. Uh, consider how you need to come. Make a clear commitment before God today, and we're going to give you a chance to even respond and let us walk alongside you. But right now, would you just pray with me, and then the band's going to sing a song over us, and we just want to receive it and let it be our prayer and our declaration in response to what God has taught us. Let's pray together. God, I'm asking that in this moment that the truth of the gospel not just information to be known, but a relationship to be had would captivate our hearts, would, would grab hold of our mind and compel it, would grip our affections and yield to it so that we might come home and find your love just as present as the prodigal son in the embrace of his father. To find just like the favor shown to that son, that same degree of favor and more shown to us. Help us, God, work in this place to do what only you can do to bring prodigals home. Continue to work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.